You're listening to Levi Pierpont Has a Podcast, the podcast where I read blog articles that I published at levipierpont.com. Today I am reading a blog post titled, Never Write, Always Fervent, Why You Shouldn't Trust My Father and Other Evangelical Leaders. The title of this has changed a little bit. I think when I first published it, it was different, but I started to, I decided to change it to something shorter um, is the main reason that I changed the title and something that just kind of made more sense. Um, It is a very accusatory post compared to the others. Um, The ones that I've been reading lately have been a lot about my coming out and dealing with that with my conservative parents. But this one is really one where I took all of the the pent-up anxiety from my parents' support of the conservative right in politics and just let it out and explained why it was frustrating to me and why it was frustrating that evangelical leaders claim the moral high ground when, you know, they're not all that a lot of the time. So this post is from November 28th, 2020. And again, it's titled Never Write, Always Fervent, Why You Shouldn't Trust My Father and Other Evangelical Leaders. And it can be found at levipierpont.com forward slash evangelical. My dad used to believe that white people shouldn't date black people. At a young age, I remember him explaining why he changed his mind. While attending university, he met a young Asian woman and discovered she was she was allowed to date white men because she was mixed race, but had been forced to choose one race and stick with that one. This seemed so backwards to him as it should to anyone, and he decided that any squabbles Christian leaders had with interracial couples were unfounded. The interesting part of the story is that his change in change in beliefs did not directly correlate to a new understanding of scripture, which he has always claimed is his guide in all things, and said it was essentially based on his feelings. And yet, if anyone explains that their feelings drew them to a new theological perspective, he is quick to point out that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? This, of course, was also his response when, several years after coming out to him, I admitted I believed God loved me as they created me, and my queerness was not a mistake. My dad used to believe that listening to rock music, and especially performing rock music in church, was sinful. He genuinely thought that a style of music, or rather a musical technique, was from the devil, and no Christian was to partake of it in any way. As far as I know, he still recoils at the sound of rock music, but doesn't seem to believe it to be inherently sinful. As a pastor at a church that frequently plays contemporary Christian music, He seems to be able to stomach the rock beat for the sake of well-intentioned congregants here and there. Again, there's no place in scripture where you could find a reason to make rock music an enemy of the church, but my father's feelings, as always, dictated more of his beliefs than he will likely ever admit. My dad used to believe that adultery was a sin. When we would talk about the scandals of the Clinton administration, he was disgusted and more so horrified that former President Clinton was only re-elected after being impeached and re- remaining unremoved by the Senate. Almost 17 years later, when then-reality television star businessman Donald Trump glided down that infamous escalator, my dad was not under any illusion that this man was any sort of godsend. He derided him, mocked him, called him Biff in reference to the character featured in Back to the Future. He was more interested in supporting a candidate like Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio, but unfortunately, the extremist won out against a crowded center, as is common, and Donald Trump became the nominee. This was in 2016, and at the time, as a 16-year-old still living with my parents, 
I was incredibly supportive of Trump, often watching YouTube videos slamming the idiotic, radical liberal Democrats. If I could have voted in 2016, I absolutely would have voted for Trump. For a moment, it seemed my father would not vote in the 2016 election. When he did, he was convinced by me in part, and also by his own father and family members who felt more strongly about it. At the end of the day, my father voted for now President Trump because he correctly believed that he would choose conservative Supreme Court justices, and he was enthusiastic about voting for someone like now Vice President Mike Pence. What is sad looking back is how little my father cared about the history of Donald Trump. Months before the tape came out, which featured Trump bragging about sexually assaulting women, he didn't seem to be bothered by the fact that Trump had married three women and committed adultery on each one of them. Behind the pulpit and during midnight lectures in the kitchen, he seemed to think that there was barely any sin worse than that of lust and adultery. But in the voting booth and at the dinner table, he was unbothered. After the aforementioned tape came out, all I recall him saying was, are we really that surprised? As if this was a defense. As if this was an explanation for why he, as a conservative pastor who supposedly found adultery and sexual sin to be detestable, would still be voting for this sexual deviant and abuser. Donald Trump was the ultimate poison to the evangelical prejudice disguised as moral integrity. He appealed to everything they felt deep down, and they supported him, despite his blatant disrespect of everything they believed in. The massive evangelical support for candidate Trump and now President Trump only serves to prove how double-minded evangelical leaders are when it comes to topics they'll passionately rant about from their pulpits. Trace every evangelical talking point to its source, or have a long conversation with a conservative person of evangelical faith, and you will find a reliance on feelings, not scripture, on fear, not faith. This brings me to the main point. For years, conservative evangelical leaders like my father have exclaimed, oops, we were wrong. Back in the day, they used the story of Noah and his sons to explain why black people were meant to be owned by whites. Then as public opinion shifted, they suddenly reinterpreted the Bible and said, whoops, turns out God doesn't support the enslavement of any group of people. However, our white daughters are not going to be marrying black men. Yet again, they used the Bible to back up their own thinly veiled prejudice. And yet again, as in the case of my own father, their feelings suddenly shifted and they based changes in theological perspective on those feelings, agreeing that interracial marriage was not sinful or against the Bible. Despite positive changes in beliefs like the one above, based solely upon feelings rather than the word of the Lord, evangelical leaders continue to condemn feelings as illegitimate sources of change. Do you feel that it is okay for you as a man to marry another man because you love that person? Well, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, they'll say. Of course you feel that. Do you feel that you've always been a boy and you'd rather not continue pretending to be the girl you were born as? Once again, you can't trust your feelings, they'll say, as they refer to you with incorrect pronouns, all in love. Meanwhile, they themselves do exactly what they condemn others for doing. They say their opinions are more worthy because they are supposedly derived from the Bible, but when push comes to shove, they depend on their own feelings as much as anyone else does. Their forefathers felt that slavery was just, and so they turned to the Bible to easily find their justification. Later, they decided that it was unjust, and again, found support from scripture. They felt women shouldn't have the right to vote, and found justification in scripture. Later, they pretended they've always supported that right. 
they felt that interracial marriage was wrong, so they found justification in Scripture. Later, they felt it was all well and good and went back to Scripture, admitting the verses they used were never talking about interracial marriage in the first place. They felt that going to the movies is sinful, or they felt that a certain kind of music is sinful, or they felt that drinking alcohol is sinful. Over and over again, evangelicals are seen relying on their feelings just as much as anyone else does, and yet they continue to claim ultimate divine authority. Today, evangelical leaders will admit they've been wrong about a lot, but they want you to believe that now they're right about everything. So they'll pull out misapplied scripture passages to condemn anyone they'll find they find distasteful, and they want you to believe them this time, despite having wasted every ounce of credibility history has afforded them. I am pleading with you, whether you consider yourself evangelical, progressive, Catholic, irreligious, conservative, liberal, centrist, whoever you are, please don't trust the conservative evangelical leaders. Whether you're a congregant at my father's church or a congregant of some non-denominational megachurch, don't believe the pastors when they claim that this time they're right. Don't let them keep up the scam. It's not about the Bible. It's about their feelings. It's always been that way. When they get up behind their pulpit and rail about the culture and the society and why they feel like I shouldn't have the ability to serve my country or the right to be married or my trans friends shouldn't have the right to seek employment and live their lives, please don't listen. Don't let them pretend all over again that the Bible agrees with their feelings. Don't let them say, oh no, this isn't just what I feel. This is what I think. This isn't what I think. This is the word of the Lord. Don't let them use the Bible as a weapon. Force them to confront their own prejudice, the darkness within their own hearts, and just keep loving people. The God who heals, the God who listens, the God who presides over your every breath and over every breath of your gay family member or trans friend, that God would never want the Bible to be used the way my father uses it. Many months before writing this, I had the transformative experience of reading Unfollow by Megan Phelps Roper, who was once a part of the West Pro Baptist Church and is the granddaughter of the former leader. Despite the fact that Phelps Roper comes from a background more extreme than my own, I found I could understand her experience and felt it was similar, albeit much more difficult to my own coming out and experience of leaving home and the rigid faith my parents raised with me with. Unfollow opened my eyes to the lie my family and so many other evangelical leaders live in. In order to lay claim to divine authority, they deride feelings and experiences and proclaim their ideas and perspectives are sourced from the Bible. If this were true, of course, those ideas and perspectives would never change because the Bible doesn't change. And yet, even as evangelicals claim and change their beliefs decade by decade to catch up, in a sense, to the culture and society at large, they expect us to take them seriously when they get up on their platform and share dogma whether it be political in nature or simply anti-gay. Every Christian person would benefit from reading Unvalo. Here is a link to purchase it. Um, you can find that on the blog, obviously, and I am not making any money by recommending this to you. So that that is the blog post. Um, and I want to say that I, I think this is this comes across, across fairly clear, but I, I want to make sure that it does. I have absolutely nothing against feelings. One of the main points of this article is the fact that there's nothing wrong with relying on your feelings to make decisions. Like you have to take two things in your hand. You have to take logic and your feelings. Um, and if you're a religious person, you take 
you take that in your hand as well when you consider a decision. But at the end of the day, anybody who says that they don't depend on their feelings is a liar. Like we might as well embrace it. Um, We should be mindful of what our feelings are. We should be mindful of what the roots of those feelings are. Um, It's not right to make a decision to be racist because you feel that, you know, another race is inferior or in, in the United States, it's not right for a white person to be racist because they feel black people are inferior. That feeling is, is not granted, right? It's not valid. But if we're mindful of our feelings and we are aware of them and careful with them, they can be a valuable tool in making decisions and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so in that way, I really just want evangelicals to be honest. I would love for evangelicals to just say, we don't like the idea of trans people. Um, we don't like the idea of two men getting married because then a lot more people would be able to go, oh, okay, then then I'll stop listening to you. But because they keep up this little game of pretending that it's all about what the Bible says, um, that's that's how they profit. And I, I know that that it is a game. I grew up in this, and I would often have arguments with my parents about being queer. Um, I'd have arguments with them about trans folks and the right for trans folks to exist and, and, and be trans. And <clears throat> at the end of the day, so they, they start off every argument with like, like, well, we just can't ignore what the Bible says, right? But at the end of the day, the argument would always come back to their personal feelings and whether it was my mom saying something as frank as what about the plumbing or whether it was them saying that you know even science says that trans people can't be trans then in that way i would just kind of go see like there you go there's your answer that's where you're basing your your concept of the universe on that's where everything is coming from you look at this old book written at a time when they weren't, weren't weren't thinking about the things that we're thinking about weren't weren't dealing with the issues that we're dealing with and you're trying to say that that Paul didn't want two men to raise a child together you're saying trying to say that Paul didn't want two men to love each other and have a life together no Paul didn't want people abusing each other not to mention I a lot of people seem to have forgotten this but Paul isn't Jesus and I know that evangelicals are really committed to like the whole Bible picture and they really believe that it's all inspired by God. And so they don't want to discount something just because Jesus didn't say it. But at the end of the day, you got to admit that we should be paying more attention to what Jesus said than what Paul said, at least a little bit more attention, right? And Jesus stressed, you know, anti-establishment rhetoric. Jesus stressed like loving the poor and and free healthcare and all this stuff. And you've got to acknowledge that or it's kind of a, you're wasting your time calling yourself a Christian. Like if you just love the conservative right so much, join a white nationalist movement and release your children from this concept that they have to stay in your religion or or God doesn't love them. Just forget that. Leave that behind. What I'm what I'm trying to say with all of this is like, stop hijacking Christianity. It's this ancient religion. A lot of you don't even know the first thing about it, and you're trying to use it as a weapon. And 
it's it's not going to fly. If you really believe that God exists, um, as I do, you got to watch your back because God's not going to let you get away with doing that uh, to their religion. Like, if you really believe in Christianity, be more careful with how you flippantly deal with the issues that exist in Christianity. Don't use it to support some Christian or some conservative movement that has nothing to do with God. Um, I truly believe that Donald Trump is one of the most anti-Christian presidents that we've ever had in this country. Um, he's he's definitely not a Christian, first off. And also, he had a low view of Christians. He didn't respect us. And he certainly never cared about God or, or Christian values. But just because he farthered the conservative agenda, a bunch of conservative evangelicals got on board with him. And of course, thank God he's not our president anymore. I'm particularly glad for that um, because I'm in the military. But of course, don't take anything that I say as coming from the military. Um, anyways, that is all. Um, I know that half of this episode has just been sort of me ranting freestyle. And we'll see if I keep this up. But if you're listening to it, that means I did. So yeah, again, feel free to reach out with um, comments or reply or or just share your story if you've come out of a similar thing like me and um, had to leave the evangelical movement or your conservative upbringing, that kind of thing. Um, and especially if your parents are now involved in something like QAnon. Mine are not, to my knowledge, um, but I was reading about that lately and that just seems really difficult to deal with. So if, if your parents are in something more extreme like that, like find resources, um, don't be afraid to kind of give communication with them a break. And if you are a person who's, who's marginalized by your parents and by society, like prioritize taking care of yourself before making them happy. Like, it's really difficult to do that when you're still living with them, if you're a young person, um, but hang in there. Um, it does get better. It's so trite, but it does. And so, yeah, I will see you next time.